0: Now, I ask this every time. Did you get the notification saying this is being recorded?
1: Uh, I didn't get a notification, but I can see in the top left that there's a little recording thing. Okay, so
0: there's nothing explicit. That's interesting. And I said to Eric the other day, who I had on, like, I could just record people until they notice that they're being recorded. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, welcome. Thank you. And thanks for coming on. And in typical fashion, here we have, uh, we've already broken the ice and the energy is coming from the pre record button. So now Man, we're
1: good.
0: So well, now it's more artificial than it was even just 45 seconds ago. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I just want to introduce people to you and um, I'll tell you something that maybe you don't remember. I'm sure I've mentioned this to you before, but I have two mm. distinct memories of you, Aiden. And the first one comes from sailing camp at Ashbridge's Bay yeah no way i didn't
1: yeah. know we go back that far holy yeah
0: we do um and it was like what a week in the summer 14 years ago <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah so there was that um that's where i met tristan and ben and um, i knew some of the other guys uh through hockey as well um and then the second memory was in high school obviously which was rain and i had joined the football team and everybody was this was in grade 12 So Mm. everybody was already an established part of that team Mm. and you and a couple others were the only ones who were actually welcoming and chummy, Um, (laughs) which was cool. And I, I appreciated that at the time and I appreciate it still because, uh, you know, we played a minimal role. The two of us rain, rain, rain and myself. My role wasn't big either, buddy. (laughs) No, come on. I'm just saying like others were just like, okay, well, you're an idiot. You showed up so late and uh, no, but you guys were great. So I remember, I remember that as well and then over the years of course we've chatted and we've met up but you've been uh you've been bouncing off the walls a little bit in a good way hmm. moving moving from project to project and they are all from what i remember and correct me if i'm wrong uh they're all related it isn't you're not it's not flights of fancy these are business <laughs> well they're business decisions and familial uh, obligations back and forth so uh start wherever you like man if, if i've sparked a thought by all means but um Really, I'd be curious to hear about, uh, about Peterborough and then your trip over to England specifically, because we've chatted about that. I can't even call yeah. it a trip. It was a full year. And then yeah. like, take me back through the last five years, basically.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, that's so funny that you mentioned that we go back that far. It's um, I always thought it would be funny. This is always a fantasy I've had that it, I wish people had like a ticker over their head of how many times you've actually seen that individual person and you'd be shocked to find out that the random car going by you on the 401 has like 350 above it. Cause it's funny how much we do bump into each other without remembering it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my story, I guess, university story, we went to high school together, at least at high school, but then I was one of, um, I think two or three people who went to Trent university in Peterborough, Ontario. Um, it was a retrospectively, It was a pretty deliberate decision, I think to break from uh, the beaten path um, especially at Side, which is a great high school, but it's also a bit of a um, preppy school in some ways. Um, myself, I came from across the train track, so to speak, across the bridge from East York. Uh, and I got in because I was in the French immersion program, but I was not a local Leesider. Um, And I think that that feeling kind of uh, maintained itself throughout the high school experience. And so when the time came for university and I'd say, of the university eligible high school students from Leaside, they go to Queens, Western, and Laurier and Guelph. And like, that's it. Like, don't even, uh, there's not much debate there. So I was one of three kids who I think went to Trent, a little school in the forest uh, in a small town you never heard of, in Peterborough, Ontario, Um, and uh, had an amazing time there. I think university for me, uh, very much... Was a transitional period uh, in in the best way possible. I think I had a good time in high school, but university was that kind of that quintessential experience of coming into your own, uh, really getting to not reinvent yourself in some kind of cliched way of like cutting your hair and changing your name, uh, but just really starting with a fresh uh, slate. Uh, yeah, kind of hair. <laughs> um... I was. I, I didn't say anything. I, I
0: just sat here and. <laughs>
1: Well, it's funny because in some ways, you know, uh, and I'm happy to talk about this side of my life too, cause I, I have alopecia and I got it when I was in grade eight, go right before going into high school. And so I think high school for me was very much marred by my experience of just coming to grips with it personally. You know, I wasn't bullied. I wasn't picked on, um, mm-hmm. uh, at high school really, but I was, it was definitely marked by the insecurity I was experiencing. And I think by the time I was able to transition to university, um, I got the blank fresh start of no one had seen me struggle with it because I was now at a better place with it. So I was much more confident at going and all these things. And that wasn't going to be, um, associated with maybe like grade nine and 10 when I was much more insecure and much quieter and stuff like that. So, um, it, it was a really great kind of fresh start for me
0: that's awesome man and so a couple things um so we're similar in in that sense because um not that sense going back to an earlier (laughs) an earlier comment well actually the funny thing is dude as silly as it sounds like i've been concerned because and it's so minor right like i have these little spots that are starting to go and Mm -hmm. then trying to be as stoic about it as possible it's like who gives a shit? like honestly Mm -hmm. at the end of the day there are so many other things that are more important um than than like I understand your appearance and how you want to appear um you don't want to be a fool you don't want to look but those are all character characterological sort of things rather than your actual physical appearance the two are linked obviously but it's like if you at least i've been telling myself because it's starting to go it's like who who gives a shit like it's gonna go anyway i hope for a long life and i hope that i live to be 99 years old at which point it will be gone so Mm -hmm. There are more important things to worry about, like my grades and the, the amount of money in my pocket, friendships, family, all of that. So these are things that I need to keep reminding myself. But then, as it relates to you, my friend, it's like I I often think about you, and I've again, I don't know you, your your internal battle with it, as you as you describe. But it's like, Aiden, Aiden, I think that you you nailed it, man, and it actually made you a very distinctive individual. And you, I can tell you that from knowing you through high school, it was like, there was no, there was not even a sense or a hint of any sort of insecurity. So either you're Mm. a stronger man than I, or you hit it very well, (laughs) but either way, it was, uh, it was an, it was impressive to see because so many people would be uh, visibly bothered by something like that. But going back, I
1: appreciate that. Thank you.
0: No, of course, man. I, and I admire you for it. And it's, it's something that, it's something that uh, that stuck with me at least as an outside observer. Um, But the point, of course, where we're actually more similar is what you said earlier with education. So U of T is uh, is similar to Trent in that regard, because very few people from our high school went to U of T. I don't even I think I can think of two or three. And my joke always was, you know, these are people who in their undergrad, excuse me our high school classmates would always say, well, I want to get away from home. I want to get away from my parents. And then my response would always be in the years to follow. I would always say like, you want to get away from your parents go to U of T. You're never going to see your family or friends.
1: (laughs) Like
0: that was (laughs) the joke. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but even still, it was my own city. I mean, we're both Toronto guys, but it was still enough of a difference where it was a fresh start and it was kind of cool. So,
1: um, and it's funny, I think, yeah. And I think if we dug into that point, um, maybe I'd be a bad podcast guest for the fact that I, I think I disagree with you a little bit in terms of I'm a huge advocate for leaving your hometown. Um, I think going to U of T, like I, I have no doubt that you're hundred percent accurate in your description of the facts. It's like, you never see your parents. You never see those people from high school. Like you're in a different world. Um, and I think, and I think that you could probably accomplish a lot of what I see the value of leaving for um, university offers. Um, but I am still a bit of a stickler for the good old fashion of just like pick up and go to a new place. Um, I think that there's a ton of value to be wrought from that, and and if you don't, maybe you'd be the perfect person to speak to it. You do have to kind of deliberately um, step outside of your comfort zone as much as possible um, during that university time. I mean, curious what your thoughts are.
0: No, absolutely, and um, I think that there yeah so i think you know what you make a good point and then maybe we can differentiate it further and say that there's the schools that you mentioned like queens and laurier and western and guelph those are probably the four pillars i would say um and what's funny is i would talk to classmates of ours and what they would say all the time was um and they'd say this later on in third and fourth year when they'd had some time to digest it all they would say things like you know what i wanted to get away but a lot of these people, if you go to Queens with 50 of your high school classmates, you're really just transplanting mm-hmm. your high school experience over there with, of course, dip, a great degree of difference. But it's still yep. similar enough that it's not enough of a break. So in, in that vein, I you're right, I, and we've discussed this before, my university experience, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast as well, has been different because of the rather stereotypical Greek ethnic Uh, connection that happened subconsciously, um, but it was probably informed by familial pressure to stay home because, you know, why would you go elsewhere? And U of T is a good school, but so are all Ontario schools. So you're right. You're absolutely right. And there's no comparing just going from my neighborhood slightly down the road to Side High and then slightly Mm -hmm. further down the road to U of T. There's no real comparison. So for me, those growing up moments that you and I've chatted about many times happened within the confines of that similar or excuse me of that singular linear path so Mm. any kind of disruption wasn't due to going to u of t or this high school or that it was who who are the people in my life as i'm going through this not where am i but how am i and who am i Mm. and so without getting too far into it and i think i have mentioned this in an earlier video and certainly to you it was, I've been, dude, I was the same person from zero to age 20. Like I, I mm. truly, truly my routine schedule, what I had for breakfast, I was, I was a monolith and then my grandfather died. And then it just, the whole rippling effect that emerged mm. from that. But for me, you're absolutely right. It only took, it took until my fourth year on that trip to England to literally get far enough away from home. Cause Greece is you know, the family background. So even a trip to Greece for me was not a foreign experience.
1: Right. And, you know, realistically, how foreign is Peterborough compared to Toronto? I mean, demographically, fairly different from a political and, uh, you know, cultural perspective, even within the confines of Ontario. But um, I thought you made a really interesting point there that, for the people who transplant their group of, because I that's kind of a funny thing too, when you're going through university is the people who clearly are university friend oriented or the people who come in very high school friend oriented. And mm-hmm. I mean, myself personally, um, my high school friends and I stopped talking to each other sometime over the course of university. We, we don't really keep it. I've got a handful of friends who I keep touch with, but it's a one-to-one relationship now. It's not that group of friends um, versus friends I have since made at university so very much are still high school oriented where I get my buddy, Dan, I I'm close with Dan, but I think I'm like his only university friend, his closest pals are people he went to high school with and a handful of them came with him to Trent, but the majority of them just still live in his neighborhood of Whitby. So, um, it's, it's an interesting point you made just that. Some of the value of leaving comes from the social change in that you, you find a new group of people and you don't have those, um, uh, bearings of people you're very familiar with. Um, and so you were able to accomplish that staying in the city, you know, we're going to U of T there were probably very few people in your cohort. Like you said, a handful of people that came with you and that was reflected in my experience at Trent as well. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Is this podcast designed, uh, to be kind of prescriptive for high school unit students entering university or for students already in university, trying to make sense of their experience? What's, what's kind of your target demographic just to frame some of these answers i guess
0: no it's a good it's a good question and it's uh and it's intrinsically related to how i intend to promote this thing because i i want it to if it could achieve even the little the slightest smallest bit of uh of some sort of uptick or positive reaction in a viewer uh the answer to the question is it's i'm trying to i'm trying to make it appeal to people who are in high school looking at what university is all about in university and are thinking about law school Mm. and then people who are in law school who are uh, who are wondering if their experiences are similar to others because as you might imagine it's such um it's such an artificial culture at a law school and I don't want to say phony that's not the right word but truly it's a constructed Specific culture that doesn't emerge organically, like in a high school context or in a university context, where oh, I have these classes together now we're pals. It's like you're preparing for a career, so there's none of that co- collegial, um, collegial, yeah, so. yeah. That spirit isn't there in, in in law school. So I'm just if anybody between the ages of 16 to you know 30 who who can at some point somewhere along the line relate to something that's being said. And then add to that, Aiden, the fact that this is all through Zoom. So there are a lot of people who um, have extremely high opinions of law school. There are a lot of people who have extremely low opinions of law school. So the whole point is to depict what I consider to be a particularly average path from a high school to a university to a law school, all in the same city, right? So this is a linear path of mine. And I'm trying to uh, illustrate to people uh, from my limited experience how that kind of happens. And who you gain along the way, who you lose, who you become. And to dispel some myths about what law school is all about. It's very, it's, we can get into this another time. But my final comment would be that there's something that I kind of lament, which is when you watch university or high school or all of these things on TV or in movies, there's this kind of, uh, there's this kind of sexiness to all of it that just isn't there in reality. (laughs) yeah no kidding (laughs) you know it's not it's not it's not suits and it's not you know animal house it's not you know fast times at ridgemont high it's it's just people and it's just people that are now in this room doing this thing versus that room doing that thing so that's the Mm -hmm. target audience the target audience is people who want to hear you know one guy's opinion on 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 a path a particular path
1: well, and I, get, I thought that was an, like, that's an interesting idea, the idea of expectations of university, uh, no matter the level and the reality of it. Like, did you come into university with with a ton of these um, portrayals from popular media about what university was supposed to be like or what university life was supposed to be like? Because I don't feel like I came with anything. I feel like mine maybe part of the reason I had such a fantastic experience was because I came in with practically no expectations other than I thought it was going to be mega hard. I thought I was not... Smart enough, and it was going to be so 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 challenging. Um, that was the only expectation I had. So um, maybe that's part of your experience—is the contrasting with expectation.
0: Um, maybe I—I I, I was certainly naive, but not naive to the point. And I'm not calling anybody out there naive, but I was naive to—I wasn't naive enough to believe that what I was seeing on TV was an accurate depiction of of what it would be like but I was certainly naive in the sense that I expected it to be markedly different from stage to stage. So a moment ago, I said, these are just, it's just human beings in a room or in this case on a screen doing what human beings do. This, the objectives fundamentally are very similar. You're looking to achieve something grades or money, and you need to interact with others in a cooperative communal way. So and 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 your own personal perspectives and tastes will change as you age, but fundamentally there isn't very much of a difference. Um, the stakes are higher, perhaps, but only if you let them be, because um, you can. co like I'll give you an example. My my law school, they have a grading uh, curve, and it's mandated. Right. So fundamentally, what you can do, and this is an interesting phenomenon, is you can just half-ass it, and if you have half a brain, you're you have a sixty to seventy percent chance of getting a B. So I can do nothing all right. semester, and and so that that speaks volumes about you know are are we are we promoting the right people to become lawyers if you know you just got in and now all of a sudden you're coasting and so those, it raises a whole host of questions. But what it ends up doing is, if you secure a job after your second year and a firm says, hey, come on by, we want to chat with you, let's you know come on in, we'd like to have you for the summer. In most cases, if you're not a complete fool, they'll be happy to bring you back. The following year or when you're actually graduated. So a phenomenon that I've noticed, and I'm not disparaging anybody is a second year student will get the job. And then in third year, they put their feet up and it's like grade 12 all over again. Like I got the job. It doesn't matter. And plus, because the grades are basically mandated on this rigid structure, I can half-ass it and go to Europe and party pre-COVID and I get the grades. And now, so I'm trying, so what, what I'm trying to get a grip on, and again, we've chatted about this in person is expectations versus reality, but not in pop culture, just in my own mind because I find myself, I can be a very naive person uh, when it comes to interpersonal relationships. And I, and, I, and I expect more from others because I'm actually quite philanthropic. like I, I really love people. I mean that's why I'm doing this. And so I actually attribute the, the, the best motivations to people when I think that philosophically or spiritually, most people are ambivalent and myself included. So it's, hmm. it's been, a, it's just learning human beings is what I've been doing for a long time. And uh, maybe more than others. Some people don't care at all, but I know I do. And I know you do. I know you're similar that way. So it's just a, that's what it's kind of about learning, learning mm-hmm. how to,
1: how to yeah, navigate it. Yeah.
0: So tell me about, tell me about Trent and tell me, remind me what you studied. I know it was psych for a time or was it philosophy?
1: it was it was psychology so i came in it's funny so
0: oh man i think i lost you there Are you there i can hear you i can hear you too i'm just uh thankfully let's just change the settings around yeah that was bizarre um we're recording yeah your- and i don't
1: have a fantastic internet connection my internet is A six and a half seven out of ten so it might you can blame it on me
0: (laughs) no man that's all right um sorry i you cut i paused so most of the choppiness i think got cut out but you know here we are again but whatever uh no i i lost you basically right after i asked the question about um whether you took psych my majors
1: and yeah. yeah yeah so and i'll yeah my answer is really it's funny because um my story of picking a major again was very um off the cuff i had no clue what i wanted to do leaving high school going into university i just had a vague sense that i liked uh people uh funny mm-hmm. enough so i ended up and i wanted a science degree and so those two things together mm-hmm. i was like i need to get a bachelor of science in anthropology okay don't really know a ton about anthropology don't really know a ton about anything let's just give it a shot and there was only three schools in ontario that offered a bsc in anthropology it was lakehead laurentian trent university oh wow! so i narrowed my still hear me yeah 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 okay yeah so i narrowed down yeah those are the only three schools that offered it in 2013 i guess when i was applying um and so those were the only three schools i applied to with also queens tossed in the mix uh kind of as a legacy pick because my mom went there um so my my narrowed band of which schools i was applying to immediately was just three um and i ended up getting into all three of them and picked trent just because i loved the campus that was my um that was the real kind of uh final decision maker was Mm -hmm. just the campus was gorgeous and it was the closest to which i think in the back of my mind i also like the idea of having the ability to come back if i needed to um and right before i actually ended up going to Trent, so i like applied for this bsc program got in And then like a month before school started, I ended up switching my major to psychology um, because, (laughs) and this is the dumbest story. uh, Do you watch Archer, the TV show?
0: No, I've heard of it and I've seen memes and stuff, but I've never watched it. So it
1: it doesn't matter, but there's an episode where there's a PhD in anthropology and they just, and they're all spies and they spend the whole episode making fun of this guy about how his university degree is useless and he's an idiot for having chosen it. And that rattled me so much because like I said, I wasn't very, I wasn't all that married <laughs> to anthropology. I switched my major because of an episode of Archer to psychology because I was like, this sounds more legit. Um, so I ended up going in and starting as a, um, a psychology major. Uh, I took a renaissance year in my first year, uh, which is actually kind of encouraged by the school in terms of uh, you're only allowed to take two courses from your major. So uh, I took my intro psych one and two, and then everything else was basically elective. I took anthropology, um, history, physiology, um, and business. Uh, and I, so I took a whole swath of different courses and after first year it, I was the correlate is obvious that the courses I liked the most, I did the best in, and that ended up being psychology and business. And so I ended up picking up the joint major and continuing on with both of those through university.
0: That's awesome. And I've never heard the expression renaissance year, but as you describe it, it makes, that's a perfect name for it. How does mm-hmm. that work later on when you now have to s- satisfy the rest of those major requirements? If you're only taking two uh, early on, do they cram you in at the end It just, so how does yeah, that work? Yeah. And,
1: and I don't know um, how Trent, how different Trent would be from other undergrad universities. Um, at the time I, you know, I was just like, oh, this is uh, how, how university is. So they really only want you to take two mandatory intro courses in first year, four-year major. Um, and, and then past that, yeah, I didn't have a ton of electives in future years. I maybe had one or two, I think. Um, but it ended up not being too bad. And especially with the joint major, the joint major wasn't, I think people have sometimes been like, oh, that's impressive, a joint major, two majors at the same time. And it's like, yeah, kind of. Um, I actually didn't find it more challenging than a single major. It, it does just mean you take less random electives. Uh, because it basically just takes the mandatory courses from two majors and that's all you do. So, um, I didn't have a lot of electives moving on throughout the rest of my university career, pretty much every course after that became a mandatory one. Um, but I think that that was a great way to do it because I felt like in first year I got, I got to have that kind of like dating around experience of, you know, I did the biology courses and I was like, I hate memorizing body parts. Like this sucks. I'm out. Um, history, I loved the content, but history writing, I did not like, I found it very challenging because you, I kept getting in trouble for like, there are certain inferences you're not allowed to make in history without deliberately proving it. Like kind of stuff like that, just because everyone's got Mm. their own sauce about how they like to write and what's important to them. Um, so it ended up working out great for me.
0: That's awesome. And actually, that makes a lot of sense that they would want to give first year students an opportunity to dabble um, mm-hmm. in a buffet like manner. And yeah, U of T was the same thing. I did a double major, English and political science. And what that did is it really silos you at the end. And um, if you're not proactive or, or, you know, just life gets in the way, all of a sudden you find yourself uh, crammed with things that you must do, which in a sense kind of goes against the spirit of the, of the academy and university, which would be interesting to see if that correlates at all, you know, third and fourth year, if that, if that's one of the reasons, let's say that people start to feel uh, depressed and anxious in third and fourth year. So in my case, very briefly, it was, you know, first year and second year, and it, that relates to my whole zero to 20 scheme that I've been harping on. You know, first year and second year was just like, OK, well, an elaboration of 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 certain topics that I already liked and knew. Um, and then third and fourth, third, you're anxious. It's like grade 11. Third, you're like, OK, I'm almost there and this is fun. But like, oh, shit, whatever. Uh, Got to look to the future. And then fourth, of course, you're like, OK, this I'm on my way out. This is kind of sad, whatever. All these things happen. So my it, it's funny that you, you bring it up because my whole outlook in, in a certain in, in some sense, is tied to the fact that by third and fourth year, the focus of my of my studies was English literature, um, and when I say English, I mean mostly British um, English literature and political science, but not political science where I'm I'm predicting election results and studying voting demographics and analyzing how elections. Um, unfolded no it's political philosophy so the notion of the nation-state and why we should come together and why not so it's been a very siloed education it's mm-hmm. it's improved my vocabulary and my ability to communicate but i think that i'm lacking some of those concrete skills um and those um <laughs> those verifiable sort of things so i'll, I'll let your friend uh on the on on Archer who's being ridiculed because he has no tangible connection to anything <laughs> there's nothing more intangible than literature and uh, and political philosophy but uh good for you men good for you because I too did the double major and it's not as sexy as it sounds it just means you're taking this many of these courses and that many of those courses so
1: yeah um although I think i i um I think I'm pretty pro the idea of the joint major from the perspective that I think being able to pull cross disciplinary um, ideas and tie them together. You know, not that every business paper I started was like, "Let me introduce you to Youngian uh, theory," or every <laughs> psychology paper was like, "Let me tell you about average contract value." Like, it's not it's not that uh, deliberate um, or um, uh, specific but I do think that there's a ton of value in having an interview.
0: (laughs) I kind of said so. Sorry, bud.
1: It's all good, man.
0: Average contract value.
1: Yeah. I just think that there's a lot of value and a skill that I really prize in myself now is just the ability to link ideas and to be able to pull an idea from one place and apply it somewhere else. Um, And I think that, Doing the joint major kind of puts you on rails for that, even just into your own reflection on things. And it teaches you um, to not get so caught up in the one way of doing things. Because like I said at the beginning, I found that different majors had different ways of doing stuff. Like I didn't like how anthropology, so anthropology is another one that I took in first year, but I didn't like it because I felt like it, it was just kind of a series of opinions. They didn't have a lot to back it up from a scientific rigor method. And it would be, I love qualitative um, research, I think it's fantastic. But I do get to a point where it's like, when I disagree with you about the qualitative research, I would like, express that. And they would just be like, well, you're wrong. And it's like, well, I I, I agree that, you know, like, I, I just felt like it was a soft, soft science where they had very strong opinions about stuff. And I don't think those two things meld well. <laughs> so the beauty of the joint major is you get to experience um, two different academic cultures at the same time, which kind of like being bilingual, allows you to remember that there's more than one way to go about doing something or to appreciate what you're doing.
0: So did you think that in the course of your studies and writing papers, that the, you know, drawing on one discipline versus another, do you think that was a conscious thing? Or do you think, I think that in my case, it was more unconscious than not. But in your case, did you find yourself Did you ever catch yourself going, wow, this is completely from my other major
1: here? Mm. Uh, No, I'd say it's mostly uh, subconscious and uh, introspective. Um, I remember mentioning to, I was a a prof of mine, I think it was in second year, overheard me uh, describing, you know, it's a seminar, right? Like first class of a seminar, the person actually sits down, you kind of just, oh, what do you take? What's your major? And I mentioned the fact that I was doing this joint major because I felt like, I like the, both of the majors, but psychology really maps onto business. If you know how people think or why they think what they do, understanding people at a level that they don't necessarily understand themselves gives you a bit of a one-up in the business world. And it gives you an understanding of why these macro systems take place the way they do. And my prof overheard me and she's like a hundred percent, like that's a great way of approaching it. You should also maybe mention some sociology. Like she just, she very much agreed with me that, um, it, it, the more angles you have um, even just in your understanding of certain things the more deeply you'll understand other topics you approach in the future as well it's like a polymath right mm. um, I, I I've always said that um, my goal like I don't have specific career aspirations or a clear idea of who I wanted to be but I always really looked up to um, these Renaissance men or people mostly men just based on the time um, you know you'd see a quote from Omega like you know, John Locke or something like that. And it's like author, essayist, scientist, mathematician, lecturer, and humorist. And it's like, he was all these things and and you got to be all these things and you got to dip your toe in stuff. And knowing more about more things just made you kind of more intellectually badass. So I think that's always something that I've kind of kept in the back of my head that um, diversity of knowledge is always a good thing.
0: Yeah, it is funny how, I mean, I think a lot of people who are um, academically curious um and intellectually curious is the better word um want to do that and actually want to be that and there are people who are career students as we say and you know they get a bad rap but i don't blame people for if they have the ability for staying in school in in an actual official capacity as a student let's say uh, for as long as possible and so what's funny about these men over you know we're talking three four hundred years ago which ultimately is not that long ago um it's only four four hundred year olds I like to think of things that way sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, I really do. It it puts things into perspective. Um, but in all seriousness, we got to a point where there where formal like formal education and the admission of more people into the academy, people in the middle classes, people um, this diversification and democratization of of higher education happened. And what's kind of sad about it is that it's good that more people are becoming more Involved in the expansion of their own intellect, let's say, but it's interesting that given the resources we have given the technology we have, we don't take it upon ourselves to, to go out and learn. Now, naturally, a lot of that has to do with curiosity and maybe these men 400 years ago, because of this bottlenecking where they're the only ones who legitimately would be regarded as worth listening to in a way that we still have, of course, now there are experts, but more people have more degrees. Maybe because of that, there was this thing where it's like, okay, I'm Benjamin Franklin, and I need to invent. I need to be a statesman. I need to be a diplomat. I need to be a a a theologian. I need to be an author. It kind of happened because I can't imagine that people then were that different than people now, and in fact, I don't believe that people are different across time. So, people now have the means to access all kinds of things. I could learn about calculus if I wanted to. It would take time, and I'm I, but I'm not interested. So it's interesting to see how. how the academy will evolve uh, mm-hmm. and I'm going off on a tangent, but it'll be interesting to see because more people are getting degrees and God bless them. But some people who are in university shouldn't be and others who can't get into university should be. Uh, so it's an interesting dichotomy there. I want to mm-hmm. ask you though about work. So you finished Trent and we can go talk about England if you want, or we can just, you know, let me know what you think about uh, just, I'd like to hear about your career, but tell me if you had to give me like three cool distilled points about what england offered you and gave Mm -hmm. you in that year because that's a huge that's a whole quarter of your education more or less no yeah yeah
1: um yeah that's kind of it is hard to sum it up into three points and so i'll take a stab at it and i'll probably do a bad job at it but i um yeah i spent my third year of university on exchange in the united kingdom studying at the university of birmingham um and i was studying psychology and business there as well um it was the single best decision I made during my university career. Um, something that I thought was interesting about it is that like a lot of people sign up for the exchange and Trent has a great exchange program. Like I would I would say that the Trent's exchange program is fantastic. So that's that's a reason to look at the school, even if you're you know, poking around. But um, a lot of people signed up for it. Like when we did our first cohort of like, here's the 150 students who want to go on exchange next year in, in second year, fourth, third year. Um, I think that out of that 150, probably only like 35 of us ended up actually doing it kind of thing. Mm. Um, so there's there's definitely something about it that it's like, it's scary enough that people will drop out um, and it's worth sticking with it because I think that's the crux of the experience. The experience is just saying, I'm going to get outside of my comfort zone and I'm going to push myself for a year uh, and have a fun time doing it. Like there's no better way. To um, really experience that freedom and that independence, because it is really still on rails, you know. Especially if you're in somewhere like the UK to Canada, where it's culturally very, very similar. Um, You know, I I get on the flight, I get off, and there's a bus that's going to take me from London to the university when I first get there. By the time I'm leaving, I've got to sort out. I can do it on my own. But the first time they take you there and they walk you to your residence building and they sign you in and stuff, so it's it's a fantastic. Perfect in my opinion, combination of handholding because you're still young and figuring it out and giving you the opportunity like, okay, you're in a foreign country now, have fun. See you later. Um, so I think the big takeaways are getting out of your comfort zone and experiencing something new, challenging yourself with uh, things that scare you. Like there were many a times where I was like, oh man, I've never done this. I do not know what I'm doing. Like, I really hope I don't get lost in this because when I'd go travel and, you know, <laughs> Frog or something like that, and I'm like, ah, my phone just died, and I don't know where I am in Frog. Uh oh. Um, but that's what makes life. Way, I'm again. sorry.
0: That's what makes life worth living. Those are, you know, where everything's so telegraphed and expected these days that we crave the unexpected. If as long as it's safe, we you'll tell that for the rest of your life. You'll tell that story yeah. forever.
1: Yeah. No. And I've got great stories from my time uh, overseas, and and you meet people. I think that's the other biggest thing is that. Um, I'm such a big believer, like maybe it makes me transient and uh, socially maladapted, but I love starting fresh with people. Like I've got close friends who I want to hold <laughs> on to the rest of my life, but going to university with no one I knew was a great call. Going to England, again, not knowing a soul, fantastic call. Um, I ended up meeting a group of American exchange students on the bus that I just told you about from the airport to university. And we stayed friends. I still keep in touch with them to this day. So the first people I met uh, ended up being friends who I will keep in touch with. Um, but then I've also got, you know, I've got a friend who's, um, a German MD currently doing his PhD in Perth in Australia right now, who we keep in touch. And he's a good friend of mine. I went down for his graduation from med school. Um, I've got English friends. Um, I, it's, it's just an opportunity to meet all kinds of people that, um, you would otherwise not get the chance to meet. Um, and then if you want to get into it, I also found the fact that the school was different, like it's a different schooling system. So you also get to even contrast your assumptions about academic uh, life in a way that is totally new to you. So for example, um, in Canada, it's super common in an undergraduate degree, you've got intro psych 101. Uh, you're probably gonna have an exam, a midterm, 10 quizzes, and maybe a big assignment, all jam-packed in there. So all the percentages end up being like, your final exam is be 35%. That's 40 right, yeah. max kind of thing. Um, and you've got lots of opportunities to keep that grade high and lots of little quizzes to kind of, so there's lots of work, but, and lots of things to do all the time, but the the value of those assignments are much lower. I had several classes in the UK where it was just a final exam worth hundred percent, or it was just a paper worth hundred percent of your grade. Um, I had an exam that was 100% of my grade with 100 multiple choice questions. So every question was a grade. Mm. <laughs> um, and so that's a very, very, very different way of doing school where, you show up for syllabus week and the prof says, all right, yep, this is class 305. The exams with hundred percent come to the lectures or don't, I'll see you in four months. That's a very different approach than, um, in Canada where it's like, okay, if you don't come to lecture two, you're going to miss the quiz for lecture two that's online that night. And you know, there's an assignment that I'm going to explain to you and there's just constant, constant work. So, um, that was also interesting. I'm definitely blabbing, but
0: <laughs> no, I mean, this is the loquacious law lad. So there's no, you know, if you haven't spoken a thousand words in 18 seconds, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's interesting. Law school's like that too. And I, most graduate school, law school isn't technically graduate school, but we might, it might as well be. It's exactly that it's a 100% final exam. And there's, there's uh, pros and cons to both. I mean, you're respecting the, the initiative and the autonomy of the student by going, look, you paid for this. You want to, you want to screw around all semester and and that's up to you. Good for you. On the other hand, a more facilitative approach in Canada. I don't know where I stand on this. I I haven't decided. I think both are valuable. Um, A more facilitative approach where you are forced, let's say, to go to class is helpful because you meet people that way and you know, it's, it'll happen. Um, It is interesting. I wanted to ask you though, because I've been toying with how to do this uh, from a LinkedIn perspective. Um, your, your time at, um, at uh, in Birmingham. So that was with Trent or correct me if I'm wrong, or did, or did the U I I guess U of B, is that what it would have been? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you have a certificate or a diploma from them? Or is it you're taking these English courses in the, in an English manner in England, but it's a part and parcel of your, uh of your degree at at trent because with u of t on these uh, um these trips to oxford granted they were just it was just a month and it was just one course um i can't with but with any any integrity or honesty say i attended the university of oxford i didn't it was a u of t prof who taught on premises
1: right yeah so um what makes the the exchange program so great um is it's a one-to-one exchange. So um, I did a full year. You have the option of doing a term, which I don't recommend. They said to me, I was deciding, I was like, should I do half a year, or a full year? And I'll the coordinator, she's like, you right after one term, you'll feel like you have it figured out. Right when you feel like you're starting to get good at it, that's when they'll get pulled out. So stay for the full year, even though it sounds long, like you'll want to. Uh, and so all, all those Americans that I, I'm still friends with, they only stayed for the first term. And I think two out of the three would agree with me that they were like, I probably should have stayed for the full thing. Um, Having said that, it's very much, I was a student of University of Birmingham. I don't have a degree from them. I have a transcript for that year. Um, My degree is from Trent University. So it is truly, you go to England, you do their courses. And then the real challenge is picking the right courses so that they'll translate back into equivalents at your home university so that your degree requirements are still met. Mm. Um, so I don't have a diploma. I don't have a certificate or diploma from university of Birmingham. Uh, but I do have a transcript, <laughs> not a great one, um, that I got <laughs> from doing that year. Um, and you know, I only paid my Trent tuition. So it's literally like you, I go to Trent, I paid my $7,500 of tuition at the time. It was like eight. Um, it, and you just go to Birmingham. And the same thing happens to some English kid. He pays his uh he or she pays their tuition in england they come back and they do a year at trent and it's like it happened at university of birmingham um so it's it's a very easily facilitated one the big pothole is just making sure that your courses line up and that you get those approved and that they translate back i didn't lose a single course which is unheard like pretty lucky all of my courses in england transferred back into equivalence in uh trent and i wasn't put behind on my degree at all Uh, i know for other people that's a bit where if it doesn't translate perfectly, then they can end up being two or three credits behind, which is a challenge.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I guess I would uh, I would just transition to the last part uh, of the of the chat, which is just asking about you know current work, and then uh, we can even go a little bit further back and just you know how does so you're done Trent? How do you how do you then uh, step into the workforce? Uh, mm-hmm. and then if you have anything on the, well, we can do it a couple of ways and, and I leave it to you, but I would, I would just basically, I'm just going to ask you, I'm just curious, uh, w- walk me, if you don't mind, walk me through the tradition, uh, tradition, tra- <laughs> transition, transition, <laughs> walk me through the transition from fourth year to, you know, the workforce mm-hmm. and then bouncing around where you did and gaining those different experiences, um, And then, you know, where you're at now and then where you see yourself going. It's a lot I'm packing into this question. (laughs) If you want to talk about, just it's free reign, man. So I'm just curious.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I definitely want to start with the transition out of university into the workforce Um, because I remember, so I'll kind of compare it to, we. you know, everyone's heard the stats about like, you know, 50% of first years change majors and 25% of them drop out and stuff like that. Like, Many, many, many people have a really hard time with the transition from high school into university, um, and my—I was not one of those people. I took like a fish to water. Like first day, my parents dropped me off. It was a little, little teary. I, I was fine. They were teary. I gave them a hug. Off to the races. Never looked back. I didn't even move home ever. Like I got jobs in Peterborough in the summers. I lived an hour and a half away, so I would come home very regularly. I still keep a very close relationship with my parents, but. As soon as I got that level of independence, I never really went back um, because it just was such an easy, easy, easy transition for me. And that's not a virtue of mine. That's just circumstantial. And I, that's just the kind of person I am. It just worked out that way. I got bitten in the ass leaving university. So all these people who came into university and were like, oh, I'm so stressed and I don't know what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm having a great time. Go. I like my classes. I'm having a good time. I'm partying all the time. This is great. Like I really found the secret sauce of like getting my 85s, partying as much as possible. I was, I was, the, I was the Tao. I was perfectly balanced. <laughs> Leaving school was brutal. I left on this like high of feeling like, man, university and me, I killed it. I love this. This was so where I was supposed to be. Uh, and I thought it was just going to be a, a linear win streak for me of like, and then I'm going to transition to a job I love. And it's going to be great. I'm going to be sweet at that. Not at all. <laughs> so I had this brutal rude awakening uh, coming out of uh, university. Um, I ended up getting into a management, a fast track management training program with a uh, big plumbing supply company um, really following my business roots. Uh, and it was like this really cool new program that they designed specifically uh, for succession planning and you know um, taking young university graduates and turning them into these leaders for this business. Uh, it was really exciting. I thought it was going to be great. It was like a four-year-long thing. I was like, this is like a paid MBA. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. Only lasted about five months. Uh, no digs on them, the company, the program, anything like that. It just was not for me. It was oil and water uh, with me going into the program. moment. And, um,
0: it did. And it's going to be interesting, but um, oil and water. And I heard you hated it and you wish the place burns down.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so I hated it. It was not for me. Kudos to everyone still there. It's a good program. It's a good company. It just was not for me. And I realized I didn't like what I was doing. And I didn't like where I was going. So I was like, why am I here? Um, at the same time, I was living with a roommate uh, of mine called named Juan, um, who was in the computer science and he came out of university. Um, Oh, see, I didn't know. I didn't know like, you.
0: Sorry. I was just gonna say, I didn't know that that's your connection to Juan. I didn't realize it was that, yeah. uh, that far back.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, and Juan's an not cat in my life because Juan and I knew of each other through university, but we weren't close at all. We didn't know each other. Um, and it was only in fourth year that, he was one of those people I bumped into in the halls and he'd be like, man, we should grab a beer sometime. Definitely. Okay. Bye. And then you don't see each other for four months. Uh, He was one of those people. And then one time in fourth year, I just was like, fuck it. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's get that beer. And so I took him out for a beer uh, because I respected him. He was like a well-respected guy. He was popular in school events. He was uh, running extracurricular, like founded a hackathon was getting 90s. Like he was an impressive dude. So I was like, I'd love to learn a bit more about this guy. Uh, so we ended up grabbing that beer, talking about job prospects after university. And we both were like, oh, we're moving to Toronto and he didn't have a roommate. So we ended up moving in together right out of school. Um, which was great, both on a personal level. He's an awesome guy and one of my best friends now. Um, but B, he was also my introduction to technology and software and that whole world. Um, so at the point where I quit my, uh, planning or plumbing management job, um, I had this worm in my ear from Juan over the last however many months about like, oh, you know, software tech. And so I ended up getting my next job at a software company doing entry-level sales as a BDR, um, which I ended up being quite good at. Um, and did that for about nine months, uh, working for Path Factory, a marketing software company uh, in Toronto. Um, and then... And again, like all through this time, I'm miserable, like having the worst time, like living with Juan, having fun there. It was good. I, I liked living with Juan. It was a good time, but life satisfaction wise, I was lost. I was like, I hated my job. I transitioned into an entry-level sales job, which while I was good at it was brutal. Like it's soul sucking, BDRing. It's very, very challenging. So this whole year and a half, uh, I'm I'm feeling like I'm lost. I'm like, I'm blowing it now. Like I went, I was, I'm that kid who peaked in high school, but I peaked in fourth year university. And now I don't know what I'm doing with myself. uh, Mm And nothing is appealing to me. Uh, I'm not even finding crumbs of where I would like to go kind of thing. Or maybe that's dramatic. I was kind of starting to enjoy the software sales side of things, but wasn't perfectly suited for it, I don't think. And so anyway, um, I ended up quitting the BDR job because I want to just get out of Toronto. I was like, I'm going to move to the West coast. And, uh, I ended up getting a promotional job out there, like a, a promotion from my job out there. I was an account executive with Hootsuite, uh, signed the paperwork, was planning on moving. And at the 11th hour, another friend of mine from university, Chris Beefham, calls and he says, uh, I got hundred thousand dollars to start a software company. Do you want to join me? And so that's where I ended up going down this, uh, rabbit hole of gyroscopic, which is our software company that I've been working at for the last year and a year and a bit, maybe Mm. between a quarter and a half. Uh, And so that's my transition out of university for sure.
0: (laughs) Wow, man, that's crazy. And I see, I only saw you, I won't say only, but I saw you maybe three or four times uh, since Mm. 2018, like uh, maybe, maybe a few more times. And yeah, I mean I, I got the sense that you were moving around and and I actually this is the first time hearing about this West Coast uh possibility. Um but that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. And if you it's almost like if you had to in retrospect, if you had to advocate to someone younger who's three like my brother's five years younger, so I try to impart whatever kind of anecdotal wisdom, let's call it, that I can. My my advice would be, dude, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a freak out and, and really have that cold bucket of water in the face because you're not sure what you're doing. Have it at 18 and 19 if you can. Now, we're still young. There are people like my parents that maybe they'll watch this and laugh their asses off because, you know, we're 24 and, you know, yeah. we have plenty of time, but it's all relative. So
1: yeah.
0: uh, for me, as you know, it was like third year, fourth year. I had that um, I'm cu- m- 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 where you moved around physically from job to job and then landed this awesome placement now can't call it a placement because it's actually your part partly your creation. But also the other part of this, Aiden, is despite the name of the podcast and despite my acumen, uh, I'm always at a loss for words and I never have the right one. So <laughs> so all of that to say that where from you know from what I'm getting from what you've said, where you're moving around physically and spiritually, let's say, I had the same sort of experience, but all in my head. And COVID is what actually uh, was a reawakening because I did fourth year was fine. And I, I was the guy who burned his ships when he landed on the beachhead. Um, so there was no retreat. I never changed my major. I never made any adjustment. I knew I was going to law school for better, for worse. The upside to that, of course, is you have a path. And so, you know, where you're going, the downside Mm -hmm. is obvious. Uh, there's no, there's no chance to really bail out, or at least it feels that way. Um, so you get to fourth year, like I did. And it was like, okay, I'm going to law school, fucked up, did not apply in time. I think I've mentioned this. Um, so I had that year where I had to figure out what to do while writing the LSAT while applying, worked at my digital marketing company. And the funny thing is in the previous video for the podcast, I'm like, you know what guys, I'm going to be making more podcast videos. And, uh, you know, the, the, my contract ex- is expiring. I just signed an extension again to December 31st. <laughs> so, so there's no, there's no. I I make these proclamations and they never amount to anything, but, um, but yeah. And then all of a sudden, first year of, of law school, it's, you're so heavily inundated that, you know, you don't even have time to breathe. It's not that the work is necessarily difficult. It's, it's like a plane taking off, like to get to that, to get to cruising altitude is such a pain in the ass. And if you're not fully invested, it's just not going to happen. So I woke up out of a two year slumber in april mm. of, of 2020 i was like oh my god like i just did a year of law school like and because it's law school it's not we're not partying as much we're not hanging out as much we're all we're not we're not 19 or 18 We're right. 24 some of us 25 30 35 some of our classmates yeah so it's it's been weird man and um maybe this is a weird kind of uh square uh square peg and around hole segue but um COVID in the future, um, has business been weird? Are you, has it been helpful having clients and would be clients at home? What do you, uh, what do you make of that? And then I'll let you go. Cause, uh, I know I'm going to get a tap on the door for
1: that egg sandwich to come. Out. That's <laughs> yeah, the no beauty. Worries.
0: of That's the beauty of living at home. I'm telling yes, you, man,
1: you eat better than I do. I can almost guarantee <laughs> that. Um, so I guess on a personal level, um, I, I agree. I think COVID has shaken up a lot of people's perceptions of their lives and the direction that they're headed in um again my buddy Dan who I mentioned who's got the high school buddies that he's really close with I know for him as one example he's a nurse and he loves his career but for him it's just a feeling of like um wow I had so he's such a planner he's a huge planner and this was something he couldn't plan for and all of a sudden his plans were thrown apart and so he's just grappling with the idea now of you know plans of mice and men like things fall apart you know you know, uh, men, pl- men plan fate laughs. And, um, I think, I think everyone is ex- experiencing that to a certain degree and it's causing people to really critically examine the paths they're on and the decisions they're making. Um, what has been great for myself. So on a personal work related note, um, COVID has really made me confident in where I'm at. COVID has made me feel like, you know, part of there's nothing else I'd rather be doing because all of a sudden, all these Distractions, and I call them distractions, even though they're the spice of life, but, you know, traveling or moving somewhere, takes, always in the back of your mind, chirping away, uh, especially when you're doing something like oh, I'm doing, it's like, I'm just grinding away at a startup, trying to make some, uh, something of nothing. Y- you hear of people, it's like, oh, I moved to England just to get a job and experience London. And you're like, damn it. I want to do that. That sounds amazing. I'm here in <laughs> Peterborough working my butt off for like no guarantee of anything. Um, and, and, but when COVID came along and it said, okay, actually you can't do anything. You, you, you've got to, whatever you're doing right now is what you've got to kind of, you know, would you rather be doing anything else if you can't go traveling and you can't do these things? Like all the fun stuff's been taken away and now all you have is the work. Would you rather be doing something else? And the reality for me was I realized I'm like, no, this is exactly what I'd want to be doing right now. So that's been a huge relief. Um, professionally, there was like two weeks right at the beginning there where we put it, we laid ourselves off, we kept the employees paid we laid ourselves off and the three of us, our co founders we were sitting around, we were going like, we might be done. Like, it's like mm. in those first two weeks when people were panicking and we had no idea where it was going, we were like, this might be it. Like, you know, and there's kind of a feeling of like, Meh, it's out of our hands, like global pandemic. Uh, that's a good way to go, because at least no one's going to blame us for uh, dropping the ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we just... Took, paused our salaries, laid ourselves off, kept the employees paid. And then two weeks later, we were like, actually, things are going okay. None of our clients left us. Everything kind of just kept chugging along. So we ended up being pretty recession-proof and pretty COVID-proof uh, from a business operations perspective. We went remote. We've been remote for eight, nine months now, like a long time. Um, because again, it was very easy for us. We all work from laptops. We all had the tools in place already for digital communication and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's been obviously challenging and I'm someone who loves the office. So we're going to try to be getting back into the office for January, I think, but we've done great, you know, I, and it, that's to our awesome team and our great uh, leadership. So it's not been too bad.
0: That's awesome. And do you think it has demand remained for your services has demand for your services remained consistent or has it uh, increased? Because if people are at home reflecting on their own uh, paths and objectives, as you say, I'm thinking maybe there are people who are sitting there because, uh, you've, uh, you just haven't mentioned what gyro does. So if Mm. you could, you kind of mentioned it, I know what gyro does, but generally, (laughs) um, yeah.
1: Um, so gyroscopic is a software company that we formed here in Peterborough. Uh, it focuses primarily on custom automation and software for, uh, SMEs, small and medium sized enterprises. So local businesses and stuff like that. Although we've got clients across Ontario, um, and at the same time, we also dedicate a certain percentage of our time to focusing on the development of proprietary SaaS-based uh, web applications, um, which we would, you know, uh, lease out to um, different businesses. So those...
0: We did, and I paused it. And um, again, okay. I can infer what you said, but I, when you came back, I heard you saying these streams and businesses have been keen. So if you could reunite that, those two clauses yeah. together and yeah. then we'll, uh, and then I'll let you go, man. And then we'll, uh, we'll have yeah. to do another one for sure, because um, there'll be more, more for us to discuss. And um, if we don't chat, I'll let you conclude, of course. But if, um, if we don't chat before January, let me know. Cause I want to chat with you in January, if there's any development on office space and, and how things are going, because um, people are home. People are looking for stuff. To do and for their, you know, a chance to grow their own businesses. So um, uh, um, yeah, take it away. So businesses yeah. are keen and I didn't catch what you meant by these streams.
1: Yeah. So the two streams are, we do the custom software development for local and small, medium-sized businesses across Ontario. Uh, and then there's also our own products, which we sell um, as a SaaS product software as a service to mm-hmm. businesses in very niche markets, pre-made tools. Um, so we've been focusing on both those streams. Uh, we're probably going to be transitioning more and more into the SaaS based stuff over the next year. Um, but the custom software, the demand has been equally high, if not higher, just because with this transition to remote like we were doing this on paper for so long. Now we need a way to not do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I was saying there. And no, 100%, man, we got to do it again. I'm, uh, I'll, maybe we'll be able to host you in our office for that January talk. We can do a, uh, You can come out to Peterborough for the day and we'll do the podcast in there.
0: I love it, man, because I'm feeling very much uh, in the camera eye, obviously, and uh, I'm getting a sense that I need to change up the, uh, if not my environment, then the books at least, because people are going to realize the truth, which is I've read only a fraction <laughs> of these, and they're mostly for show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've <laughs> they must... got a
1: nice background, though. I'm way better than mine, so.
0: <laughs> hey, man, it's uh, it's all about branding. If I turn yeah. the camera around, you'd see a Burger Priest bag, empty Dr. Pepper bottle, um clothes everywhere this is this is this is the me <laughs> it's a, I it's want an to illusion yeah yeah exactly all right, man, thank you again for taking the time and um yeah. what I'll do this is my procedure it's a very long video so it's hard for you to review. but what I'll do is I just upload it and I'll leave it unlisted take a peek if you like and just kind of skip through and see if you're happy with it and then I'll let uh and then I'll I'll upload it and make it public and happily, I'm very excited as I mentioned at the very beginning, my graphic designer, Chris, who is an absolute champ, has made a really cool look. So you will get the special treatment on the thumbnail, which really looks cool. Otherwise, it's like a grainy photo of my face or of, of your background.
1: So it's a really Sweet. cool treatment. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, and uh, I really appreciate that, man. It's been great chatting with you. If I can uh, plug a couple of my projects, I would just say that uh, check us out at gyroscopic.ca. Um, And also, I've also started a YouTube channel, just a little side project to keep me entertained uh, during COVID. And that's called The Natural Buddha, where I just discuss my experience with alopecia and the lessons I've learned there, uh, hopefully in an attempt to give back in a way that I normally do with volunteering. But now with COVID, I'm trying to do it digitally. So uh, those would just be my two things I would plug.
0: Awesome man, and plug them and plug them and continue to plug them because then when I when I do this proper promotion and do an actual ad campaign for the podcast to get to that coveted thousand subscriber number, let's say, it'll be a more meaningful and and valuable to to my friends who come on to to share because right now it's it's small and really I'm I'm you know Bruce Wayne in his little cave and then I need to actually get this out the door. So once that happens please, well, I'll reach out to you again. And then I can promote things as accoutrements and, 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 and offshoots. Cause that's the whole point of this. I'm trying to chat with friends for my own personal benefit cause I want to reconnect with friends, but I have very interesting friends and I want, <laughs> I want to share, I want to share what they, they bring to the table and it's always cool stuff. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's
1: awesome, man. The rising tide lifts all ships.
0: That's it, man. Well, I, I won't even call it. Oh insert self-deprecating comment here Um, yeah
1: we'll leave we'll leave that out
0: all right man okay i think i'm just gonna all right back why so are are you um and so now we can record a proper goodbye i could have just pulled the plug but we didn't get a proper solidified goodbye so
1: yeah
0: say what you said because i lost it again and i've been pausing (laughs) during those skips so it hopefully it'll it'll be all smooth when it's actually process as a file so that's good news
1: yeah 100 so uh, i'll just do my plug really quick i started a youtube channel uh oh no the i got Natural the put pl- about I got oh the okay plug. then then we're good then just bye thanks for having me man. i'm yeah. really looking forward to doing this again <laughs> that's <laughs> it
0: man i'll send you the link when it's all done sounds like a plan dude have a good hey, day happy thanksgiving man
1: cheers you too brother
0: see you man